Hey, welcome to the Outside Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Amen. Would you grab your Bibles quickly? Grab your Bibles. Thank you to every young person who's been with us since Friday. I thank you all for the messages we've received and the treatment you've given to us. Go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. I know there's a few of you that snuck in uh, from the first service. That's okay. We love you anyways. Amen. Uh, but we have we have brought a ministry material. There's a table outside with some of our sermons in audio and video, English and in Spanish, if you want to swing by and pick it up. You can't take me home because my daughter will fight you. Amen. Uh, I'm here with my nine-year-old daughter. She'll fight you, but you can take a message home, and every time you hear it or watch it, you can say, Lord, bless Pastor Carlos and his family. Amen. Genesis chapter 13, I just want to consider a couple of verses, and I pray and know that someone's going to be blessed by this. Verse 1 says, then Abram, I'm reading from the New King James Version, went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Let's jump to verse 6. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Pharisees then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we are brethren. Is it not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. I want to read verse 9 again. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. I want to tag this text and talk teach and preach under the subject, I just need some space. I just need some space. Will you help me preach? Look at someone and tell them, I just need some space. I just need, I just need some space. You may be seated. The presence of the Lord is here and his word is already blessed. Lord, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I need, I need some space. Uh, there's a name by man, Dr. Henry Harlow. For some of us who may not know what, who he is or what he did, let me give you a brief bio on him. Dr. Henry Harlow was an American psychologist best known for his maternal separation concept. He studied dependency needs, and he also did some social isolation experiments. Uh, Dr. Henry Harlow was interested in the formation of the bond between individuals, particularly the bond between mother and child. And so he tried to assess the relative importance of the child's need for food correlated to its need for comfort. 
in a set of famous but a little bit unethical experiments, he separated newborn monkeys from their biological mothers and he raised them in cages with surrogate mothers. The experiment was that he stripped these young newborn monkeys from their biological mothers and placed them in two separate cages with two surrogate or more easily understood fake mothers. The infants were made to choose between two different surrogates. One was made of wire but had a bottle of milk attached to it. The other one was made out of soft, cuddly cloth but did not have a bottle. Watch. He, he made them pick between two. One had milk, but it was made out of wires. The other one was soft and cuddly, made out of cloth, but it had nothing to give to them. And Harlow found that the infants spent most of their time clinging to the cloth mother, even though she provided no nourishment for them. The lesson that he learned from this is that oftentimes we cling to things or let things cling to us that give us no life. Oftentimes we hang on to people because they comfort us but they never nourish us. So, so, sometimes we, we hang on to people and things and experiences and moments in our lives, although they are not giving us absolutely anything. There were a few of these monkeys that would cling on to the wire-made mother, and even though it hurt them, it was giving them something. And, and so many times we run away from the people that seem to be molding us and hurting us and shaping us when we don't realize that the pain is producing something better inside of us. And many times we would rather cling to and be close to people or allow people to cling to us and be close to us, but they're not giving us any life. Mm, it's quiet in here, but that's okay. The lesson is that sometimes we cling to people or we let people cling to us that are not providing us any nourishment they're giving us comfort but they're not giving us life they're giving us support but they're not teaching us to be better they're they're applauding us when they don't know what we're actually made for they they cling to us and they don't give us any life and the reason why many people commit the same mistake of clinging to people without any nourishment the reason why many people struggle in their relationships is because of a word that they have not understood yet. That word is boundaries. That's all right. I'm going to teach and get to the part that you want and I'm out your way. Many, many of us are at a place in our lives where we feel upset, where we're frustrated and we're tired because we have not established healthy boundaries in our lives. Many people struggle with relationships in which there is irresponsibility, in relationships where there is hurt, in relationships where there is control. They, they don't know how to handle 
handle conflict or even their own responsibilities. But fortunately, God has provided people with a great deal of teaching in Scripture on how to order our lives with the help of boundaries. Boundaries can simply be defined as property lines. Visualize it, visualize it. Just as a fence shows you where one yard begins and another one ends, a boundary indicates what belongs to us and what belongs to others. A boundary teaches us what we can talk about and what we shouldn't be talking about. A boundary teaches us what you can share with me and what you should stop sharing with me. A boundary tells us where one thing begins and another thing ends ends whenever we encounter words in the Bible like truth, righteousness, justice, honesty, integrity, and holiness, we should pay attention to those words because they are not just descriptions of God, but they are also the aspects of God's boundaries for God's people. They, they describe some aspect of boundaries for God's people. Boundaries are a tool that God uses to serve three of his most important values. Boundaries help us with love. Boundaries help us with responsibility. And boundaries help us with freedom. I'll say it again. Love, responsibility, and freedom. When we have established healthy boundaries... Boundaries promote love because God is at the essence a God of love. That is what 1 John 4 and 16 tells us, that God is the essence of love. God's boundaries are very clear between what he loves and what he can't abide in. God's boundaries are established in scripture on what he loves and what he despises. For example, Psalms 33 tells us that God loves righteousness and justice second chronicle says that God loves his people John tells us that God loves the world but in the same breath he also sets boundaries on his love and he sets boundaries on the things that he hates the Bible says in Proverbs that there are six things that God hates and Zechariah talks about that God does not like injustice when God establishes boundaries it is because the boundaries teach us where God abides and where God does not abide. Boundaries teach us how to promote the love of God even in our own life. God enacts boundaries with his people to promote a loving relationship. He provides structures that teach people how to love and how to follow him. In the Old Testament, the boundaries that God gave his people we call ten commandments in the Old Testament, God gave the Ten Commandments for the people's well-being. They were his boundaries. He, he used those boundaries to make life safe enough for them, safe enough for them to be in relationship with him, safe enough for us to return to his love. And likewise, we should be using boundaries in our life. Likewise, we are to use boundaries to promote love and connection with others. When people 
live within their God-ordained boundaries. They can be safe and trusting with each other when you live within the boundaries, the confines of God's property lines as, as we walk in truth and in righteousness and as we require the same boundaries of other people, love flourishes in our life. You just missed it. I'll say it again. As we walk within the God-ordained boundaries in our life and as we require boundaries from other people, that is when love starts to grow. That is when love starts to flourish. If I got boundaries but you're living crazy at some point in our life, I'm going to get frustrated with you. But if you have boundaries and don't require them from me, then I don't know what you expect of me. But if you have boundaries and I have boundaries, then both of us can grow. Our love can flourish and we can see God's ordained purpose for both of our lives. Love is promoted when there are boundaries, but also boundaries help us to define responsibility. I, I, I'll say that again. Not only does boundaries promote love, but boundaries also defines responsibility. Yeah, boundaries help people clarify how to take responsibility for their lives before God. They, they also help people understand the extent and the limit of their responsibility to others. God is clear about his purpose and God is clear about his task for us. God knows that he creates the universe. He is the one that maintains the universe. He seeks to save the lost and he keeps his promises he knows all about what is not his responsibility he, he is not responsible for giving you the desires of your heart if you're not living the way God wants you to be he's not responsible for blessing your bank account if you don't know how to manage your money stop asking God for financial miracles if you're being irresponsible it is not God's responsibility to do the things that you want him to do when you're not doing the things God has asked of you. I feel like preaching right here. He, he's not responsible for those things. God is clear on his purpose. God is clear on his task and boundaries help us to define responsibilities. Get over here. Where are my mothers in church? You know you got no problem with people taking care of your child. Just don't teach me how to raise my baby because that's where the boundary lines have drawn that's all right you want to give me some advice give me some advice but boundaries define responsibility I'm responsible for their life and you're responsible to shut your mouth when you're talking about my child Y'all don't like me here in this church, but I'm going to keep preaching anyways. Responsibility is defined when boundaries are established. God makes his boundaries clear. He says, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what my job description entails. I know what I'm supposed to be in charge of and overseeing. But I also need you to understand I'm not responsible for evil. I'm not responsible for confusion. I'm not responsible for temptation. Stop saying the devil made you do it. You did it yourself. 
Oh, good God. He, he's not responsible for evil. God is not responsible for confusion. God is not responsible for temptation. We have to understand that boundaries helps us to define responsibility. We also ought to take responsibility over our own lives by setting boundaries to, for example, guard our hearts. Yeah, we're, we're supposed to take responsibility over our lives by setting boundaries for us to take up our crosses. We, we should be setting boundaries in our lives so that we could be good stewards of the gift God gave us. And we should be setting boundaries in our lives so that we could grow the fruit of the spirit that is in us. Boundaries, boundaries help us to know our responsibility to others. We, we are to love others, but without rescuing or enabling them. I'll say that again. We, we are to love others. We're to love everybody, but we are to love them without rescuing them or enabling them to always depend on being rescued. Y'all don't like me in here. Uh, that's okay. I, I, I'm almost out your way. We, we ought to love everybody, but don't enable them to continue to trust on people to pick them up when they're down, to pay their bills when they didn't work a dollar or an hour in the week. We, we can't keep rescuing people from responsibilities. Boundaries help to say, look, I'll help you if you let me help you. But at some point, you got to grow up and start living your own life and take responsibility for your own actions. We, we ought to know when to protect ourselves from sin or immaturity in other people. That, that's what boundaries helps us with. It helps us to protect ourselves from somebody else's sin or from someone else's immaturity. Boundaries helps us to turn the other cheek. When we, when we confront people or we are confronted by a circumstance or a consequence and, and provide for those who are hurtful or responsible, boundaries help us to be able to bounce back from the hardest moments of our lives boundaries help us to become a conduit for God's truth his justice and his discipline here it is I said all of this to say when clear boundaries are not kept relationships can deteriorate in destructive ways when boundaries are not kept, relationships can deteriorate and it could be destructive. <laughs> and this was the lesson that Abraham had to learn. Abram had to learn that sometimes a lot is too much. You, you just missed what I said. Hey, Abram, Abram had to learn that sometimes a lot is too much. No, 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 I'm not talking about taking on a lot of things. I'm talking about taking on the person lot. Because the Bible teaches us here that God had called Abraham. God had called Abraham, chapter 12, and he said, come out of your father's house. Come out of your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you. Joshua teaches us. Joshua teaches 
teaches us that Abraham had come from a lineage of people that were blessed. Joshua teaches us that God had called Abraham's father. God had spoken into the life of him. But the Bible also tells us that Abraham's father chose not to believe in God. The Bible teaches us that Abram was an, an idolater when God called him. But God revealed his glory to him and spoke to him. And Abraham turned from the vain idols and began to walk with the Lord. And all of this was because of God's grace. The hearing of God's word created faith in the life of Abram. Uh, let, let me help you. The Bible says that God had blessed Abram's father. But Abram's father did not follow God. He started following other idols. But because God had a plan and a purpose with Abram, God called them from a place of idolatry and he said if you leave your father's house I promise I will bless you I will make you great I'll make you famous I will bless other people as a consequence of being connected to you but this is only if you leave your father's house the call of God over the life of Abram was a call of separation but the Bible says that when God called him with a call of separation he left his father's house he left the inheritance that his father had for him but your bible says that he brought lot with him mm -hmm. that, that, that's what your bible says the bible says that God called Abram he said leave your father's house bring your wife with you to a place that I'm getting ready to show you but when he got ready to pack up and go he looked over at lot and he brought lot with him now the question that I had first lady Martinez was why did God or why did Abram rather bring Lot with him I started investigating pastor and I found out that the reason why Abram brought Lot with him was because Lot's father had died before Lot got able to understand him Lot's father had passed away before Lot had a relationship with his father you missed it there was a loss in the life of Lot and Lot could not bounce back from the loss and so Abram thought to help him cope with his loss let me bring Lot with me but he didn't know that bringing Lot with him was risking his promise ah, ah, and, I, and I gotta pause right there because there is a lot of us under the sound of my voice that we have been carrying people along with us because we wanted to help them come out of their pain we've been carrying people with us because we've been trying to help them to meet God to see God to grow in God but what you have failed to realize is that carrying lot with you is also carrying dead weight sometimes the people that God has placed in your life God will place them there but if he didn't put them they cannot stay with you you know how crazy you look walking with people that God is trying to eliminate out of your life you know how crazy you look running after people that God has dismissed God why did they leave me why did they walk away from me I did that so why are you crying for them why are you chasing after them if I did not tell you to bring them with you 
I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. I, I, I don't, I don't want to go, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but can, I, can I deposit this in somebody's spirit? Can I deposit this in somebody's spirit? Abram teaches us that sometimes helping you is hurting me. Abram Abram teaches us that sometimes if I bring people with me that God did not intend for me helping those people sometimes turns around and hurts me I'll prove it to you let let, let me plead my case the Bible tells us in Genesis 13 that, that Abram returned to the promised land he returns to the land that God had promised him your Bible says that Abram returned to the place where his tent had been in the beginning. Don't miss it, First Lady. The Bible says that Abram returned to the place that his tent had been at the beginning. That's the verse we just read. We read verse 1. It said, Abram, Sarah, and Lot came back to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Even though Abram came back from Egypt with great riches, he returned to the same place he had been before. Yeah, yeah, even though he left his father's house and he ended up in Egypt. While he was in Egypt, he was blessed with a lot of riches. But because Lot was still with him, he couldn't progress. He only digressed. Uh, Because Lot was still walking with him. Instead of moving forward, he ended up moving backwards. That's what your Bible says. The Bible says that Lot, Abram, and Sarah returned to the place where his tent had been at the beginning in other words Abram was only going in circles he was right back where he started and can I pause my preachment for a second because I feel like I'm talking to someone under the sound of my voice that you feel like you're going in a constant circle no matter how many times you try no matter how many seeds you sow no matter how many prayers you pray it seems like you end up right back where you started can I submit to you that it is maybe who you're connected to that doesn't let you go to where God intended for you Ah, I'll say it again could it just be that who you are connected to does not allow you to go where God had intended for you essentially Abraham's time in Egypt was wasted time Uh, All of the riches that he got in Egypt could not amount to the time he had wasted. Uh, And there's so many of us under the sound of my voice that no matter how many glorious experiences you have in church, you still feel like time is wasting. Uh, no, No matter how many services you attend, no matter how many times you read the Bible, you still feel like my time has passed me. And I came to talk to you to let you know that Abraham knows how that feels. God could have and would have provided for all of Abram's needs in Canaan if Abram would have left Lot back at home with his father. Uh, But the Bible says that because Abram carried with Lot, Abram should not have used the blessing of God or the blessing God brought to him in Egypt as a justification to go there. 
Even though God is great enough to bring good even when we disobey, there's still a cost built into disobedience. I'm, I'm trying, Pastor. The Bible says that when he got to Egypt, when he got to Egypt, watch this. Because Abram was walking with Lot, Abram's unbelief took him from his place of worship and led him to a place of sin. Uh, because Lot was still walking with him. He left the place that God had promised him. He left the place where God had met him. He left his place of worship and he ended up in Egypt. And while in Egypt, he was sinning. In, while in Egypt, he was lying. In Egypt, he was doing everything that God had not told him to do. And it caused him to lead other people to sin as well. It made him more confident in his own ability to lie then in the protecting power of God and even broke his family apart while he was over in Egypt even even an ungodly king had to rebuke Abram because Abram was so far out of the will of God, God. never underestimate one's person's ability of removing you from the will of God Never underestimate the power one disobedient person has over your destiny. Y'all, you still look lost. Abram was walking with Lot and Lot brought him all the way to Egypt. And while in Egypt, he was sinning, he was lying, he was being disobedient, he was being rebuked. And it almost cost him his life. If, if that's not enough example for you, ask Joshua and the people of Israel that they looked at a small little army called the Amalekites. And they said, we can take on this army. But what they didn't know was that there was a man that had saw something he shouldn't have seen and had grabbed something he shouldn't have grabbed and he brought it back home with him and because of his sin the entire people started being destroyed never underestimate the power of one disobedient person in your life because sometimes one person can cost to your destiny you still look lost get over here Jonah ask Jonah what happened when God sent him to Tarsus and instead of going to Tarsus he paid and got on a boat and the Bible says that the storm was unleashed and when they started asking why it was Jonah's fault that the storm was being unleashed never underestimate the hell that you're going through because sometimes it's not what you prayed about sometimes it's not what you've been fasting for sometimes it's because you connected yourself to somebody who was out of the will of God and the hell that you're going through is because God is trying to get you to realize that once you let them go your life will recalculate back into where he intended for you to be uh, he he went right back to where he started he was right back at the place where he first pitched his tent. Alexander White says that the Christian life is basically a series of new beginnings. 
how, how true is that? How, how true is the fact that our lives is a series of constant new beginnings? We stumble and we fall, but, but the Lord's grace is sufficient. His, his mercy is matchless. He, he reaches down to you and me, and, and he puts us back on our feet again, just like he did with Abram, because the Bible says that not only did he return to the place where he first put his tent but he also returned to the place where he first built his altar Shit. Ah, not, not only not only did he return to the place where he first pitched his tent but he returned to the place where he first built his altar yes he had sinned yes he had disobeyed yes he was walking in a circle yes he was back where he started but he realized I'm not going to torture myself about the mistakes that I made I'm going to get busy doing what I need to do and that's going back to the place of worship is there if there's anything that could get you back the time that you have wasted it is a thing called worship if there's something that will catch you up with your purpose when you feel like you're behind it is worship I don't know who I'm preaching to but I came to talk to somebody that if you dare to open up your mouth and pitch your worship in the place where you first met God God said I will speed up the time everything that you thought you lost I'll do it for you what took you seven years to do I could do it in seven weeks what what you thought would only be 30 days available I could do it in 30 minutes put your worship down I came to talk to somebody I, I, I want to keep going but I got to pause right there because there's someone that just realized my worship is giving me back wasted time all, all the wasted relationships all the people that I wasted resources in all the experiences that I lost as I worship God he's giving me my time back he's giving me my years back he's giving me my resources back he's giving me my dreams back I thought I lost it but God is a God of recovery. He went back. He, he went back. He went back to the place where he first pitched his tent. But he also went back to the place where he first built his altar. Uh, th th this, this reminds me. This reminds me. This this reminds me of a, of a story in the book of Revelation where, where God speaks to a church and he tells them, I want you to remember where you fell from. And once you remember where you fell from, go back and walk in your first love. Yeah. Go, go, go back and walk in your first works. Where, where was it that Abram fell from? Abram fell from his place of purpose. Abram fell from his place of worship as he continued to walk with Lot. He was going away from what God was doing. But when he realized the mistakes that were being made, he began to return to his first love. And I came to speak to someone under the sound of my voice prophetically that this is your 
time, your season, and your moment where God is getting ready to stir you up so you could return back to your first love. This is your time that God is getting ready to bring you back to your first works. This is the time that God is getting ready to return you back to your first passion, to your first strength. You thought that you had lost it. You thought you had given up on it. But God brought me here to tell you, pick it back up. Whatever whatever mantle you drop, pick it back up. Whatever leadership you drop, pick it back up. Whatever dream you thought was dead, pick it back up. Remember where you fell from and get back up again. And, and once you get back up again, return to your first love and I will give you recovery. Watch. I'm almost done. Watch what happens. The Bible says that because Lot was too much for Abram, the Bible says that Lot walked with him. God had commanded Abram to leave his family behind when he was in Canaan, but he brought his nephew Lot. And when he brought his nephew Lot with him, trouble was his result. Because the Bible says that as they both began to grow, I don't got time, First Lady. I don't, got, I don't have time to talk about the fact that even though Lot was causing Abram trouble, Lot was still being blessed as a consequence of Abram. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have time. Have you realized that you're going through hell, but they're being blessed? Have you, have you ever realized that you're in warfare, but they're sleeping fine? Have you ever realized that they're the ones asking you to pray for them, and you're up early praying for them, but they're asleep while you're sitting there crying for them? Have you ever realized that while Lot is sleeping peacefully, Abram is awake praying? Have you not realized that sometimes they're not in it with the same heart that you are, but they're still being blessed because of you? Abram was being blessed, but so was Lot. They were both being blessed so much that there was contention amongst them your Bible says that the shepherds of Lot started fighting with Abram's shepherds see Lot was seeing how God was blessing Abram and Abram was also seeing how God was blessing Lot the problem between Abram and Lot was not caused by the land the problem between Abram and Lot was not caused by the famine it wasn't even caused by the wealth it wasn't even caused by their shepherd the problem with Abram and Lot was a heart problem because the heart of every problem is a problem of every heart uh, I'll say it again the problem with Abram and Lot was not the famine the land the shepherds or the wealth the problem with Abram and Lot the heart of the problem was that there was a problem at the heart Lot's heart was centered on wealth and worldly achievement while Abraham only wanted to please God Lot only cared about land while Abram only cared about the Lord you missed it Lot 
only cared about prosperity while Abram only cared about purpose. Amos screamed in his third chapter and third verse and said, can two walk together unless they are under agreement? The problem with a lot of us is that the people that we think we're really connected to are not in agreement with you. Yeah, they're in your corner, but they're not on your side. Mm. I'll say that again. Yeah, they're in your corner, but they're not on your side. They're waiting for you to slip up so they could take advantage of everything you worked hard on, but because their problem is not the land. Their problem is not the shepherd. The problem is that they want the land while you want the Lord. They want prosperity while you want purpose. They, they want Lot, Lot had heart trouble. Lot had heart trouble. He, he followed the wisdom of the world and not God's wisdom. He was at war with Abram because he was at war with himself. Oh, God. He, he was at war with Abram because he was at war with himself. Pastor, why was he at war with himself? He was at war with himself because he was at war with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastor, you know what my pastor tells me? You know what my spiritual father tells me? He says marriage problems are not a him and her problem. Marriage problems are really a God problem. Well, what does he mean by that? I'll tell you. He means that the reason why the husband and the wife are in disagreement is because one of the two of y'all are in disagreement with God yeah Uh, and because you're in disagreement with God now that disagreement is flowing out in your family but once the two of you get back in alignment with God you'll realize we fighting over some petty stuff Uh, but when you realize how good God I'm sorry I'm gonna get out your way I gotta I gotta go but when you realize what God has really called called you for let whatever God has put together let no man put under can can I prophesy over a marriage right now and say you'll recover everything I I came to speak harmony over your house I I came to speak peace over your marriage I I came to prophesy love over you I I came to prophesy connection and and synchronization and, and alignment over you you're wearing because they know if God is for me who can be against me Abram was having a problem with Lot because Lot was having a problem with God remember Lot had a problem with God because how can you take my father without me really knowing who he was He was at war with himself because he was at war with God. He was 
He was subjecting his mind to world's wisdom, to world's wealth, because it seemed so satisfying instantaneously. But it was ultimately going to bring him disappointment. Uh, watch this, and I hope I can help somebody. Uh, Lot had tents, but he didn't have altars. All right, all right okay. So some of y'all will catch it on your way back home. Let me say it one more time. Lot had a lot of tents, but he didn't have a lot of altars. Okay, I'm going to say it one more time, and I promise I got to get out of here. Uh, Lot had a lot of tents, but he didn't have no altars. Be careful, God, walking with people that got a lot of talent but ain't got no anointing, okay? Uh, be, be careful walking with people that know a lot of riffs and a lot of runs, but when they sing, nothing happens. Be, be careful with people that got, I'm sorry, don't walk up on me, don't start nothing. I, be careful with people that got a lot of tents but they ain't got a lot of altars I, I know you know a lot of Greek and a lot of Hebrew but can you speak in tongues I, I, I know I know you got a lot of definitions and a lot of thesaurus but do you know what God says because I don't care about tents I want to know do you got an altar I, I, I came to speak to somebody I came to speak over someone and say build your altar again Shake somebody and tell them, build your altar. I worry. I worry for my generation because we're chasing tents and not chasing altars. I, I, I worry for my generation because we fill up stadiums when our favorite group shows up but we miss God when he shows up uh, Lot had a lot of tents but he had no altars that tells us that he did not call on the Lord for wisdom he didn't call on the Lord to help him make decisions instead of lifting his eyes to heaven he lifted his eyes to the valleys. And that's where he stopped. The eyes see what the heart loves. And if your heart only loves tents, you'll never look towards the altars. <sighs> Abram, Abram had taken Lot out of Egypt, but he could not take Egypt out of Lot. He had brought him from Canaan. They ended up in Egypt. And once Lot got rich and blessed in Egypt, they left Egypt. But Egypt never left Lot. You know, the hardest challenge of us as pastors is not getting you out of Egypt. It's getting Egypt out of you. You don't believe me? Ask Moses. Because they came out of Egypt. But every time he spoke with them, they said, we were better off over there anyways. You're, you're on your way to the promised land, but you're still thinking about your captors. You're, you're, you're on your way to a place that is flowing. 
milk and honey. And the only thing you talk about is the food that was given to you by people who didn't even care about you. Because sometimes the hardest thing is not coming out of your temptation, but getting your temptation out of you. Ah, oh, good God, I, I'm, I'm trying to talk to somebody in here. So, so sometimes the hardest thing is not being delivered from something. It's something being delivered from you. So, so sometimes the hardest thing is not God getting me out of Egypt, but God, can you get Egypt out of me? Uh, so sometimes the hardest thing is not getting Jacob out of his father's house, but getting Israel outside of Jacob. Because if you keep warring with yourself, you're not going to realize what I put inside of you Abraham's eyes were on the holy city while Lot's eyes were on the land watch I'm, 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 I'm out your way the Bible says that when he got close to Lot he said look we got the entire land in front of us pick whatever side you want if you go to the left, I'm going to the right. If you go to the right, I'm, I'm going to the left. And the Bible says that when, when Lot looked up, Pastor, this messed with me. When Lot looked up at the valley of Sodom, First Lady, the Bible says that to Lot's eyes, it looked like the Garden of Eden. I wish y'all would read your Bibles. It, he looked at Sodom. You, you, you remember Sodom, right? Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked at that. And he said, that looks like the Garden of Eden. Wait, you, you're looking at a pagan land and saying it looks like something that God made? He, 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 looked, he looked over at the place. And he said, it looks like, it looks like the Garden of Eden. When, when, when Lot was getting ready to settle near Sodom, he picked a dangerous neighborhood. Lot, Lot's life teaches us, Lot's decisions teaches us that problems will inevitably follow poor decisions. Watch me, even when poor decisions look good when we're making them. Because when our choices leave our boundaries too open to the ways of the world, we place ourselves at risk and we place others at risk too. So here's what Abram says. He says, the land's in front of us. Pick wherever you want to go. You go to the left, I'm going to the right. Faced with the possibility of conflict, with his nephew Lot, Abram took the initiative to resolve the dispute. He was the oldest, but he let Lot choose first. He was the oldest, but he still told him, you go ahead. I got the right to do it, but I'm letting you pick first. Abraham showed a willingness to risk losing out on a lot of things just so he can keep his peace. All right, you missed it. Abram taught us that if it cost me my peace, I'd rather risk losing out on things. 
If it costs me my peace, I'd rather risk losing a relationship. If, if it costs me my peace, I'd rather, but some of us got blood flavor in our mouth from the amount of times that we bit our tongue when we had the right to say something. But because we wanted to keep our peace, we said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to entertain this. You, you, you know you had about 170 words to write, but you deleted it all and just said, okay, whatever you want to do. Because you told yourself, if it costs me my peace, I don't care what I got to lose. You, you take the high road. I, I'll take the desert. But I just want to be at peace about it. I want to be at peace because I'm realizing that helping you is hurting me. I want to be at peace because I'm realizing that the more I spend time with you, the least I got time to do what God wants me to do. At some point, you should know another psalm other than Psalm 23. At some point, just look straight ahead. At some point... You, you should have another testimony that ain't the same one you said last week. At, 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 some, at some point, there should be another favorite song than whatever Maverick City just finished singing. At, at some point, there should be something new going on with you. But if I keep helping you, it's going to keep hurting me. Abram's example shows us it shows us how we should respond to difficult relationships it teaches us how to solve situations in relationships across the board the first thing he does is he takes the initiative to resolve the conflict I'm not, I'm not going to keep waiting for you to decide what you want to do I'm telling you this is what's going to happen I'm not, I'm not going to keep waiting for you to grow up. Just, just look straight ahead. I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to keep waiting for you to make up your mind that you're tired of living like that. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of telling you you shouldn't be living like that. I, I'm taking the initiative and I'm resolving the conflict. The other thing he did was he allowed others to make the first choice even if it means that we don't get what we really want. He, he said, even, even if I don't get what I want, even if I don't get what I worked for, even if what I invested in you never gets returned back to me, I don't care if you pick first. And he finally taught that it's time to put your personal peace over your personal desires. Because sometimes God will give you what you want and you're still not at peace. Ah. Abram said, I'm putting my peace above my personal desires. So when Lot settled in the land and, and he moved to one side, all Abram wanted was a little bit of space. And, and, and as I studied scripture, 
I said, somebody else, somebody else must have made the same prayer. Somebody else must have made the same request. Somebody else must have said, Lord, I just need a little bit of space. Wherever they go, I'm going the opposite direction. And then God tapped me on the shoulder and said, ask Jabez. Because uh, Jabez got to a point in his life where his family was crushing him. He got to a place in his life where his brothers were not as great as he was. But every time they looked at him, they only said he was pain. They only said that he was a problem. And so he threw himself before the Lord and he prayed, Lord, just give me a little bit of space. Jabez said, God, if you would bless me and, and, and enlarge my territory and, and if if your hand would be with me watch Abram understood that even though even though Lot was taking the land that looked more productive that looked more rich that looked more lush Abram knew if God is with me even this desert valley is gonna have to produce for me I, I gotta go now I, got, I gotta go eat with the pastors but I, I came to let somebody know that it don't matter where God has put you you, you could be in a man or in an apartment but if God is with you God I feel you now if God is with you I'm still enough. I could be driving a Tesla or I could be driving a Hyundai but if God is with me you God just give me some more space just, just give me space from my enemies just, just, is that your prayer today would you lift up your hand and say God just give me some space give my family space give my business some space just enlarge my territory I'm done standing all over this room let's, let's go would you stand to your feet father just enlarge my space I, I need you to push the person next to you and just just tell them Lord enlarge my space Lord Lord that, that was the wrong neighbor see you might be sitting next to a lot right now just just move over and tell somebody else say Lord enlarge their space and enlarge their space they've been crying for a long time they, they've been praying for a long time but today would you just enlarge their space Every head lifted, every, every head bowed. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. And we thank you more for your presence. We ask you, Lord, that you would continue to do something great in our midst. That, that the word that we have spoken on today will not fall in dead ground. Let us not just be hearers of the word let us be doers of the word we ask you Lord that if we are currently in a lot situation would you help us to get some space Father you know how much we've invested into this and at this point in our lives we don't want to waste any more time. So today, hear our humble cry. Hear our hearts as we tell you, I just need some space. Give me space 
from those who don't return reciprocity on the things that I give to them. Help me. Give me some space so that I can continue what you have intended for me. I don't want to keep going in circles. I don't, I don't want to digress. I don't want to return to places where I used to be. I want you to take me to the promised land you spoke to me. Can I show you how the story ends? Here's how the story ends. And after Lot had separated from Abram, your Bible says, and then God told him, remember the promise that I made to you? I'm here to confirm it once again. Look up to the stars. Can you count them? Look down to the sand. Are you able to number it? Because that's how great your descendants would be. It was not until Lot left that God started speaking. He spoke to him at the beginning of Genesis 12. Leave your land. But when Lot came with him, God shut his mouth. But when Lot left, God started speaking again. Maybe you're in a silent season because Lot is still lingering around. But the moment that you let Lot leave, you'll hear God once again speaking to you. Lift your hand. I got to close. Lift your hands, Father. The people under the sound of my voice, the people connected right now through the transmission of this service, that they are battling with the possibility of having to go at it alone, but still at peace about it. So today, I ask you, Lord, that you would help us, give us the tenacity the courage, give us the gusto to be able to let Lot go so we can hear your voice again. Help us to understand that your promise is not denied, it's just delayed. But when we focus our attention on you, we'll be able to see the promised land again. Over every lifted hand in this place, I pray right now that you would give them the authority, the strength. Give them the internal fortitude to make the decision, to take the initiative, to put their own peace before their personal desires. And above it all, Lord, that you would help them to please you. We don't look to the land, we look to you, Lord. We don't look down to the valley. We're putting our eyes on heaven because that's where our help comes from. On today, Lord, with hands lifted and hearts open, we pray right now, help us to let Lot go. Whatever it is, if it's a person, place, or thing, Help us to let Lot go. 
if it's an experience or even a word spoken over us, today I give you permission to let Lot go. Wherever you are, I'm speaking to you right now. Let it go. Whatever you've been holding on to that's actually been holding you, it's time to let it go. You know you're tired of going in this circle, this vicious cycle, unending, unfruitful. But today, God came to set you free from the lot that became too much. I feel freedom right now happening in this room. Lift your hands right where you are. And I want to challenge you to open up your heart and your mouth. Because there's freedom happening. You, you don't need music. You don't, you don't need worshipers. You don't need a song right now. Freedom is happening. There's deliverance happening right now. There's, there's healing happening. There's, there's some of us that have been coming to church for so long and you've been faking it. But God brought you here to set you free right now. Lift up your hands. Come on, I need you to fill this room with the sound of freedom. You, you, you don't got to cry about it anymore. You don't got to talk about it anymore. You don't got to deal with it anymore. Today, God's taking the weight off of you. He's, he's taking the weight off of your heart. He's taking the weight off of your mind. He's taking the weight off of your finances. He's taking the weight off of your spirit right now. In Jesus' name, we, we declare and we decree. Father, that, that every spirit of Lot, that every residue of Lot that is sitting dormant inside of our hearts that doesn't let us progress, we speak to it right now and we speak deliverance and freedom and healing and wholeness right now that revival and promise would break out in the lives of your sons and your daughters, that they would be able to possess the land, Lord, that they would look to the hills from which cometh their help, Lord. Get, Give them freedom right now. Give, give them wholeness right now. In, in the name of Jesus, would, would you just take 30 seconds right where you are and open up your mouth if you believe that God is setting you free, if you, if you believe that God is delivering you, if, if you believe that this is your last time, you got to deal with life again. Just love it.
wasting time. No, no, no more. No more, no more wasting time. There's, there's too much invested in you for you to waste your time. There's no, 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 no more, no more wasted time. There's, you missed too many opportunities for you to keep wasting time with, with people that don't care about the things you care about, that, that don't speak what you speak. You, you wasted too much time. But today, if you believe God, I'm being free from it. I'm, you, you're putting boundaries around me. You're, you're putting a fence around me. Well, all of it, Lord, right now, you, you're giving me my property back. You're, you're giving me my peace back. You're, you're giving me my joy back. You're, you're giving Come on, if this is for you, this is for you. If you believe it, lift your hands. If you if you want to fall on this altar, you go ahead and do it. But I came to speak to someone right here. Freedom is your portion. Deliverance is your portion. This is your season. Come on, worship team. I know our time is over, but the glory of God is in this place. Come on, you will recover. You will recover. Come on, I speak recovery over you right now. Re recovery, recovery. Everything you lost, everything the enemy stripped from you. Recover. Get your spiritual miracle. Get your physical miracle. He is in the 